Well, welcome to the Vineyard. Uh, it is good for us to be here. It was good for my wife and I to be gone for a couple of days. We celebrated 35 years of marriage at the end of December. Um, and so that was awesome. Um, it just so happens that I had a church conference down in Miami, uh, and so we left a little early, um, and because it's cheaper to fly to Nassau from Miami than it is from Richmond, and so I said, well, if the church is going to send us, they can send us early, and that will be great, and so we just had a wonderful time of rest, of getting away, talked to uh, uh, the, the national director, met some uh, acquaintances again at the, at the church conference on church planting, um, and just trying to get the DNA into who we are. We are uh, the vineyard, and we are an associate association of uh, or an a church planting movement it's an association of churches but it is a church planting movement. And we believe in raising up leaders to send out, to grow, to keep the kingdom going. Um, we're not looking to create a dynasty for ourselves. We want to see Jesus become famous. Today, we are launching our new sermon series. I'm excited about that. First of the year, I always launch something new, and I always do it with a word, okay? And so as we launch this new sermon series, just know that last year it was deeper 2018. That was the word. Okay, I don't know if you were with us before that, but in 2017, it was take hold. Still got a couple of t-shirts left over. All right, um, before that in 2016, it was repent, re revive, and restore. Just a word from the Lord. Um, 2015, it was boldly. 2014, it was dance. Believe it or not, those are the words. At the beginning of the year, at the beginning of every year, actually kind of toward the end of the uh, fall, I start praying for the new year and I say, God, what is the word? What is the word for us as a corporate church, but as us, for us as individuals? And so I have probably prayed more over this word and this sermon series than I actually have any other one that I've preached in the 10 years we've been at church and the 15 years before that. I just want, it's like, God, I want something for our church. What is it that you're saying? I need this word for our church. You know, we were down in uh, Miami, Janice and I, Pastor Janice and I, and, and we were at the Miami Vineyard and we were having a good time. And then we stopped, uh, stepped off the airplane Friday night and it was just like, girl, we are not in Miami anymore. It was just inconvenient. It was ridiculous. It was, it was awful. I'm going to be honest with you. But it was so good to be back home. I went home, got up Saturday, went to Purdy's, just drove around town just to see if Richmond was still here. I mean, obviously nobody turned it into a lake or anything, but I'm just telling you, I love Richmond, Kentucky. I have no ties to, to Kentucky um, historically, but we moved here in 2003 and I have absolutely fallen in love with this town. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to drive around and say, yeah, there's the Gulf. I mean, the, the Shell Mart. Lord, Lord, there's our Myers. It's our Myers. You know, you know how you do and it's yours. It's like, well, this is not our Walmart, but we can go in here, you know, but it's like, there's our Walmart and there's, and I just drove around yesterday and I just absolutely loved it because I love you. I love what God is doing through us. I love that we're connected. I love that we are a tribe and I love where we are going. For 2019, the word is inconvenient. You know, I, I like to have something that's up and like take hold or all your dreams are going to come true. That's your word. I like to have like blessing. God is just going to pour it out on you. And today it's like inconvenient. You're like, yeah, I'm going home now. 
That, that's not what I want for 2000. 2018 was already inconvenient, Pastor Joe. I need 2019 to not be inconvenient. Okay, listen, 2019 is going to be the word is, listen, I got a bracelet right there. It says inconvenient. Maybe on social media, you saw those little bracelets. You can get your word. Everybody's got a word. And we started doing the word thing way back in the day. And now everybody's got a word. What's your word for this year? You know, you can get it put on a necklace, you can get it tattooed, you can get it put on a t-shirt, you can get it, well, I saw this on, on, on uh, social media and I said, I'm going to get the little bracelet with the little circle that has it stamped on it so it's always in front of my face. That God is going to ask inconvenient things of me today, or this year, in order me, for me to see the blessing that he wants me to walk into in 2019. I can't keep doing what I've always been doing. That's where we're going in 2019. Inconvenient is the word. What does inconvenient mean? What's the word inconvenient? Check this out. Inconvenient. It means causing trouble. Oh, Pastor Joe, do not pray that down upon me today. <laughs> do not pray down 2019 causing trouble. No, that's usually what I'm doing, but it's there. Do not pray down inconvenient. It's difficult. I don't want difficulties. Do not pray down discomfort. I, don't, I want comfort. I want easy. I want convenient. Okay? That's what I want. But the Lord said, no, this is what it's going to be like. The word is inconvenient. That we are going to find ourselves in position after position after position where we have to make a choice. God says, do this. And we're going to say, well, Lord, that's inconvenient. That's not convenient to me right now, Father. I'm not sure I want to do it. God, I'll feel weird. Lord, that won't be good. You know, when I was about 20 years old, I got saved in 1977 when I was 17. But when I was about 20 years old, I was involved in a little church of 75 people. And believe it or not, okay, honestly, believe it or not, I grew up abjectly afraid of people, absolutely terrified. I could sit in a group this big in the corner by myself and be perfectly happy for three or four hours. Would not bother me a bit. But if you come talk to me, I will start sweating profusely. I will get scared that something's going to happen to me, that I did something wrong, that something must have, you know, happened. Somehow something's my fault and I don't even know that something's wrong yet. That's just the kid that I grew up, okay? And so that's where I was. 20 years old, I'm not married yet, okay? Thinking about it, but I'm not married yet. I'm going to this little church. I'm happy to go to Sunday school. I'm in adult Sunday school classes. I'm trying to learn and grow in my relationship with Jesus. And the Sunday school superintendent, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because it's one of those churches that has Sunday school, and then they have the opening, and then we sing out of a hymn book, and everybody sits on pews, and, and it's like that, okay? Church really never got over about 75 people. And so there I am, and they came to me and said, Joe, we want to stretch you a little bit. We want you to, to do the Sunday school opening next week. And I was like, no, I don't think so. But, but inside, inside, instead, I said, you know what? Yes. Say yes, because you will not grow if you don't stretch yourself. It's not going to happen. And so I said, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. I'll try. And so the next week came. The, the stage was not this high. It was only just a couple of little tiny steps. I was sitting in the front pew. I was nervous as a Cheshire cat in a dog pound. I had my Bible open. I had my verse I was going to read. And then I was going to call the chorister up to open up the hymnal and, you know, blow on it. Okay, everybody do that. 
And then everybody sings, you know, because there's no instruments. And so, you know, I'm ready. I'm sweating. It's hot. It's terrible. And I'm right there. And their multimedia was on stage. Now, multimedia in 1980 was a rolling chalkboard. Okay? It had chalk. Okay? If you had to delete, you took the eraser off and deleted Okay, you could do that, and that was multimedia back then. You wanted something profound, you wrote it on the chalkboard. But then there was, here's another problem. What if you didn't spell it right? People would laugh at you, you would be humiliated, you would have to get down off the... I was terrified something was going to go wrong. I got up, I opened up my 1,200-pound chain reference Bible. Um, it was King James. Oh, I, I had it right there, the thou though, and I was going to read my scripture. I read it. I invited the chorister to came up, come up, excuse me, she came up. She led us, no, he did, because a little German guy. Um, he led us in a little song. It was great. I got back up, and then I'm supposed to turn it over over to the Sunday school superintendent. Now at this point, I have done everything correctly. And for whatever reason, actually because I was terrified of you, I said, and now we're going to turn it over to the super school Sunday intendant so they can dismiss us to Sunday school. And everybody started laughing because I said super school Sunday intendant instead of Sunday school superintendent. And when they, the first person in the second row started laughing, I died inside. I said, Lord, this is inconvenient. And I got down, I went to get down off of the stage because I was humiliated because they were laughing. I did something wrong. I didn't know it was okay to do something wrong back then. I got punished for doing things wrong, told I was stupid for doing things wrong. And I tripped over the multimedia's leg. I picked myself up off the floor two steps down humiliated even more, and I sat down in the front pew as close and as closed as I possibly can, and I said, there, Lord, I will never, ever get up in front of people on a Sunday morning again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not going to happen. See, it was inconvenient. It was very inconvenient. A couple of, a couple of years later, the elders came and said, well, actually 10 years later, and said, hey, we think you belong in pastoral ministries. And I said, <laughs> not really, because that would be really rude. I said, oh, that is so very spiritual of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll ponder that. And then I went home and said to my wife, <laughs> no. I was working for myself. I had my own little construction company going. I was water skiing two days a week. I was riding around on my motorcycle. I was chasing bunnies with my hawk. We were having a blast, and I was not going into pastoral ministries. Two years later, <laughs> Jesus showed up again in the form of the elders. And here you are right now. I share that with you because sometimes the Lord puts you in positions that are inconvenient. God says, okay, I'll let you go for a year or two. And all of a sudden, something happens, and it's inconvenient. And God's trying to do something in your life. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that we're on a planet that is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour on its equator. We're doing 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. And the whole universe, or the Milky Way is doing over a million miles an hour through space. It's crazy. It's inconvenient. And yet we still, we still go on this adventure with God. 
coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, coming into 2019, is going to be about going on an adventure. And going on an adventure is inconvenient. You have to pack, you have to plan, you have to get ready, you have to carry it with you, you have to drag it through the airport, you have to go play. It's going to be inconvenient if you want to go on the adventure. But you can't go on the adventure without being inconvenienced. If, you're, if you think surrendering your life to Jesus means you're going to stay the way that you were, you don't understand Christianity. Because Jesus' invitation is, come, follow me. Which means you're going on an adventure and you have to leave something. Sometimes God asks things of us that are inconvenient. As a matter of fact, I would say all the time, God asks things of you that are inconvenient. He wants you to do something you're not doing or, or he wants you to stop doing something that you are doing and you're terrified because it's inconvenient. Look at this guy in the book of 2 Kings in chapter 5. Holy Spirit, come and make this real to us. Guy named Naaman. Now just, just going into it, Naaman is a pagan. He's not a child. He's not you know, one of God's people. He is somebody that God has used to punish his people. But he's not one of God's people. And yet, this is what the scripture says. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Aram is Syria today. It borders Kuwait. Okay, that's what this was back then. So up there, north of, um, and east of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and, and Naaman was a great man in the sight of his king, his master. And he was highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Remember, because he wanted to punish the Hebrew people. And he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Not something you put on your dating profile. Okay? Hey, I've accomplished a lot, live in a big house, got a great job, drive a cool car. By the way, I've got leprosy. Okay? You just don't do that, but that's this guy's problem. He is like the general, second to the king of Aram. Problem is, he's got leprosy. Okay, deeper 2018. Leprosy, when you read the word in the Bible, does not always mean leprosy like, whoop, there goes another finger. You know, and it's not, it's not like that, okay? Leprosy is the word that is used scripturally, whether it's the Hebrew language or the Greek language, when there is a debilitating um, skin disease taking place. Okay? So it very well could be leprosy, but the point is, it's so nasty that according to the book of Leviticus, you're not supposed to be around people. But remember, he's not a Jew. He's a pagan. And so he doesn't care about that. He is just so uncomfortable in this leprosy. And, and let's just go with the fact that it's leprosy, okay? He is so uncomfortable in this. He wants something to happen. So look at this. Um, the scripture says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone and taken a captive, a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So this little Jewish girl served this pagan woman and found a way to love that family, and look at what it says about this young lady when she finds herself in an inconvenient place in life. She chooses to walk with God. And she says to her mistress, if only my master, if only Naaman would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went to his master, the king, and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents. You think health care costs a lot now. Look at this. Taking with him 10 talents of silver, 
thousand shekels or gold coins, ten sets of clothing. And the letter that he took to the king of Israel said this, with this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you can cure him of leprosy, period. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send somebody to me to be cured of leprosy? See, he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, that's a big deal. Okay, It's not just like, oh, he ripped his shirt. He tore his kingly robes. He shredded them, just tore them down, and he was mad and angry. and up. That's what it means, okay? So when Elisha hears um, that the king of Israel has torn his robes, he sends a message that says, why'd you tear your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Get this picture in your head. This guy, this great general comes down from Syria, comes all the way down to um, Elisha's house, and, and, and he stopped out front, and Elisha sends a messenger out to him and says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of his Lord, the, the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and went off in a rage. He is hot. And Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as a man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. So you've got this, this great general who's being inconvenienced by this disease who wants to be cured who wants to be healed who wants it to go away who wants this affliction gone so much so that he will do absolutely anything and when a little servant girl says you should go see elijah elisha excuse me he decides he's going to give that a shot that is the testimony of somebody who has done absolutely everything they possibly could and has not gotten the results they want. Didn't get a job, didn't get the wife, didn't get the marriage healing, didn't get their son back from the dead, didn't get the... You name it, this is somebody who is so desperate, he'll do what a little girl tells him to do. A general. Can you imagine a great general in the United States wanting something so desperately that when a little slave girl just comes forward and says, hey, if you really want that to happen, you should you know, go down to Louisiana and see the prophet of God and he'll tell you to dip in the bayou. Yeah, see, because the, the Jordan River is not a clean river back then. It's not polluted with plastic and toxic waste. It's polluted with mud, dirt. It's not considered a clean river. And, and he was right. Um, Naaman was right in saying, listen, the two rivers in my country are cleaner than this. I should do that. Why, why can't I go and like kill a dragon and drag his head back or bring his heart in my hand or give me something great to do? Can you imagine a great general traveling to your house and you have the cure and you're playing Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare? 
okay? Somebody comes in and says, General's outside, and you say, Hey, Billy, go tell him to wash outside in the swimming hole. You don't even get up from your chair. He did not even, Elisha did not even bother to go to the door and give this man the courtesy of greeting him. He simply said, you, servant, go tell him to wash in the Jordan River. I'm a busy man. I would be ticked. I mean, seriously, come on. You did what the little girl said. You went to see the great man of God, and he treats you like that? Well, I'd be headed back to the king of Aram saying, listen, we need to make a hole where that guy's house stands right now. We need to drop some ordinance on it. I don't know what ordinance would have looked like back then, but we need to drop some ordinance on that and turn that thing into a hole. You do not even, I mean, disproportionate response. It's exactly what it was. But he was mad. And he goes away. But then his, his uh, servants come to him and say, hey, check this out, man. If he'd asked you to do something really cool and awesome, you'd have done it. You literally would have got up and done it. So why not just go ahead and do what God says to get the results you want? You're asking God to do something in your life. Why do you not do what he says? So that you can get it. Because it's inconvenient. It'll make me uncomfortable. I'm not sure I want that. That bad. Think about it for a second. What is it you want out of 2019? What do you want God to do in your life in 2019? Now, don't be like, well, I just want him to give me Bill Gates' house and, and his job so I can, you know, have his money and just live like it. Okay, let's, let's at least be realistic, okay? <laughs> but seriously, what, do you, what are you crying out to God for? And when you come to God and, and you're on your knees and you're saying, God, please. Why do you get up instead of waiting to hear what he has to say? He wants to interact with you. I promise you, God cares about your prayer. I believe that somewhere in there, God wants to bring some sort of actual healing. And listen, sometimes healing means we go home and we have to understand that blessing does not mean we stay on the planet. That is not the goal of Christianity. Nobody gets out alive even if the trumpet blows. This corrupt flesh has to put on an incorrupt flesh in, in, in order to get into the presence of an incorrupt God. Scripture says so. I'm not making this stuff up. I promise you I'm not. So what do you want? I want to grow spiritually, Pastor Joe. I just want to hold my Bible... I'm feeling second kings, something about a guy named Naaman. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I want to grow spiritually, but I, I still need to binge watch on my Netflix. I need to play my video games. I need to do my thing. I don't, want, I don't have time to read my Bible. You don't understand. It's so boring. But I want to grow spiritually, but man, praying wears me out. It's inconvenient. I don't have time. You're going to have to set your clock a little earlier. You're going to have to spend a lunch once in a while not eating. 
Maybe just reading and praying in your Bible. I want God to grow me spiritually. I want to grow in my marriage, Lord. Please, in 2019, I want to grow in my marriage. I was at this conference for these pastors. Pastor Janice and I were this last week. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I go, and, and it's great, and they're talking to us about being a, a church-planting church. Um, maybe you're a church planter and you want to go plant a church, or maybe you're trying to figure out if you're called into full-time ministry. So we were in the church um, that wants to send out people to, to plant churches, and, and they, they do worship, and then there's like the ministry time, and it gets like freaky God, and it's like, it's not, it's a little more than what goes on here, um, but it wouldn't terrify you, and it's wonderful, and it's overwhelming in a beautiful Holy Spirit sort of a way. And so I'm sitting there, and this, this pastor's like, listen, you pastors in here, you want to plant churches, but you're here, and you're married sucks and you need prayer for it and you know it you come up and stand right here we're gonna pray for you and I'm thinking whoa just gonna read their mail right now and I'm watching my wife and she's looking at all the people that are going forward and you have to understand people still terrify me and I have to get out of my my comfort zone but not my wife she's like this spiritual Holy Spirit butterfly and she's just like, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. You be healed, you be healed. You. She's like, fire, I, I'm just feeling heat. And it's like, and I'm over there going, don't look, don't ask me to go do anything yet, Lord. I got to get my courage up a little bit. And so I get up enough courage that I see this couple over there and the Lord says, Joe, I want you to go pray for them because I believe in marriage. I'm just telling you that right now. 35 years, four-year relationship before that. I believe in marriage. And when I see somebody's marriage hurting, it breaks my heart. And so I saw this couple, and they were weeping. And then I said, Lord. And he said, yes, I want you to go pray for them. And I said, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm reaching for my wife because she's going to come with me, okay? Um, because I'm, I'm codependent, okay? I'm just telling you, I need her. And she already went that way. Like, oh, this is inconvenient, Lord. This is inconvenient. So I got up and I went over there and I said, can I pray for you? And they were saying, yes, we want 2019 to be a year where we work on our marriage because it's been under some stress and we've not been pouring into it like we should. We know God's been telling us to, but we haven't been doing things God's way. And I said, listen, if you're going to go into church planting... I just want you to know you're going to need each other because it's not easy. It looks easy. <laughs> On Sunday, it's a beautiful thing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I take Friday off. Please don't call me. <laughs> I'll be back to work on Sunday morning. It's a tough thing. People are hurting. People are dying. People are coming back from the dead. Welcome back, Caroline. We love that you are here. Thank you. I'm not being funny. I am being serious. I have to say, a week ago, I was seriously looking for a scripture for her funeral, just in case. I needed to be ready when I came back from vacation. She walked into my office this morning, and it was like, oh, my, she says, yes, I can talk to you. It's like, you need to stop talking. She had a tracheotomy, so she has to keep doing this. Don't make her talk. But these people wanted to grow in their marriage. You want to grow in a relationship. Maybe 2019 is a year that you're saying, I want to grow in a relationship. Then do it God's way. Do what he's asking of you. I want to grow in the church. I want to grow emotionally. I need some friends. 
I want to grow in friendships. Are you in a small group? Do you invite people to your house? When's the last time you invited people to your house? Uh, I have to clean the house. I can see it on your faces. Uh, laundry. The devil is in the laundry. Uh, you're not going to make friends if you don't start doing things that are inconvenient like the laundry. <laughs> You're also going to have to go through life naked. <laughs> you have to do the laundry. Okay, it's okay. But you want friends, but we're not willing to get outside of ourselves. Lord, I want to grow in my finances because you just give me more money. We have financial peace for you tonight. Because if we're not going to be faithful with, with what God's given us, he's not going to give us more, he said. He said that. See? So we have to do it that way. So let me just share some thoughts with you, and let's blow this popsicle stand. Number one, nothing changes unless something changes. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard today, Pastor Joe. Duh! Really? I woke up and got inconvenienced in church for this? I sang my heart out to Jesus, and you want to say nothing changes unless it changes. Listen, write that down, and just deal with it. Nothing changes in your life unless something changes changes. Or, to quote Dave Ramsey, it is absolute lunacy for you to keep doing the things that you're doing and expecting different results. Whether it's relationship, finances, your tests, your study habits, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your eating habit, whatever it is, it is crazy for you to just say, God, make it all go away. And God says, stop doing this. No, I want to keep doing that. It doesn't Work that way, okay? Way simple. But we have to be willing to make habits out of things that we've never done before. Things that scare us and things that we don't want to do. And often when I'm talking to people about life change and seeing God do powerful things, they, this is what comes out of them. I don't want to do that. Okay. Then you have put yourself in prison. You did because you want to stay where you are. Number two, change means things will get inconvenient. Things can't be measured the way that we've always done them before. You've got to be willing to get uncomfortable. You've got to be willing to learn. You have to be available to God. Are you available to God right now? Are you available to God? I don't know where you're going when this church service is over, but if you walk out that door and somebody says, I need an hour of your time, what's going to come out of your mouth? Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm a pastor, and I just want to be real with you. Sometimes that goes on inside of my soul. Oh, man, it's my day off. Are you kidding me? Can I please just sleep in? And then I get up and I go, and I say, thank you, God, for letting me be there. Thank you for letting me be involved. Thank you for letting me bring the kingdom of God. I want to be available to you, Lord. Um, speaking of inconvenient, um, one of my examples of inconvenient was going to be that the other day, yesterday, I asked my wife, she wanted to watch football, and that's how it is at my house, I promise you. She wanted to, except at 1 o'clock today. But um, yesterday, she's like, we're going to watch football from 4 o'clock until you know, the Lord comes back if necessary, but we're watching it all, and you're not sleeping, so get a nap now. It's like, okay, I'll watch football with you. It's all right. And, but I told her, I said, hey, I went in and woke her up because she was having a nap. I said, you want to have some pizza? 
with the football? And she said, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you go ahead and order it from one of our favorite places? And she said, okay. And my heart said, and then say, and then why don't you please go pick it up because I don't want to be inconvenienced. So, and it's 15 minutes to the pizza place, but I mm, zip it. Don't say that. No, because then life would get inconvenient, not just, you know, the pizza getting. It's like, I'll go get the pizza. And so I show up to get the pizza. I walk in one of my favorite pizza places, and there's a young lady behind the counter, and she had just shoveled a big old piece of birthday cake that I could see hiding behind the register right there. She put it right in her mouth. So she went, and I said, hey, it's your birthday. That's how I walked in there. It's like, it's your birthday. Look at you. It's your having birthday cake. She's like, and then she's mortified. You know, she's laughing her head off, but she's mortified. She's choke it down. And I'm thinking, please don't let her die, Lord. She chokes it down. And she turns around. She says, that's funny. It's somebody back there's birthday. What can I do for you? And so I said, well, I need to pick up some um, pizza. And she said, well, what name's it under? I said, it's probably under Joe Wood or Wood. And she's, yep, got it right here. Thank you. Another young lady comes out and she's standing right there. And this one's standing there. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I was just there and she said, man, you seem kind of happy today. I said, I'm back in Richmond. I love Richmond. Uh, this is great. And um, this little girl over here goes, she says, and, and, you're a pastor, aren't you? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I try to keep that on the down low. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. I said, but I don't very often try to let that out. I try to keep that to myself. And she's like, why? And I said, because people treat me different when I say I'm a pastor. And I don't want them uncomfortable. I don't want them to be anything that they're not. And I don't want to be uncomfortable. I, I just want to be Joe today. I'm just getting some pizza. I want to go home and eat pizza. I don't want to be pastor. You know, and, and she's like, um, so where's your church? And I said, well, I pastor the vineyard. And she said, I know. I've seen that before. She said, you shouldn't hide that you're a pastor. She said, that's right. That's right. That's prophetic. It's inconvenient, but that child is going to be a pastor. She said, because my children and I are looking for a church that has a good children's program. I said, well, if we've got something going on, I said, I don't know about the speaker, but if we've got something going on, the children's department is going on. It is awesome. Your children would love it. She said, we'll be there. I don't know if she's in the room, not going to call her out. You've got to be willing to get inconvenient and share and invite and be available for God to use. I'm going to skip this next scripture. Naaman wanted something from God, but the ask from God seemed ridiculous, and he didn't want to do it. What's God asking you to do? Ladies and gentlemen, honestly, what's God asking you to do? You're going into 2019. Is it your finances? Is it your relationship? Have you been? Uh, we'll get to that. Number three, change means your way doesn't work. Don't tell me my way doesn't work. Well, you're here, and you're listening to this sermon, aren't you? <laughs> You're saying, I want God to move in my life. Don't tell me I'm not doing it right. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about right or wrong. I'm just saying something you're doing is not working. That means you've got to do something different. And I would suggest to you that you begin to do things God's way. You see, there is a way that seems right to a man, according to the book of Proverbs, but the end thereof is death. And you notice that that's Proverbs 14 and Proverbs 16. Solomon said that twice to his son. 
He needs to get it across to him. Stop rationalizing your spirituality. Just because you can't figure it out doesn't mean it's not God. If God said, give it all up to the poor, come and follow me, it's ridiculous. But it may be exactly what he's asking of you. But what God's looking for is a heart change. He wants to change your heart. He's not trying to change your behavior. That needs to be scribed on your heart. It's not about being religious. It's about being in a relationship with a God who loves you. The last thing is, inconvenience means action on your part. You've got to do something, man. You cannot sit there on the couch and keep saying, I'm talking to you from my own life, and keep saying, you don't understand, I'm depressed. You don't understand, I'm tired. You don't understand. At some point, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, no, you're not, you're lazy. You just don't want to go do that. You don't want to go do that. You don't want to go do that. And trust me, I understand depression. Last year was not a good year for me. Not, I still see a therapist. I want to invite you to go see a therapist. Don't tell me you're depressed if you're not seeing a therapist. Okay? Do something about it if it's real. Do something about it. Otherwise, we need to talk. It requires action. Get up and move. Okay? If you're going to see these things happen in your life, it's going to take effort energy and exercise you've got to put in the time you've got to put in the sweat equity and you have to do it over and over and over again until it becomes your new norm and then you're going to begin to see life change is it really so difficult or inconvenient for us to do what god says really being inconvenienced means that it may hurt it will cost you, it will wear you out, it will take your time, it will slow you down, but that inconvenience will lead to the healing that you're looking for. You have to say yes to God. It's kind of hard to look at a cross like that with my Savior hanging on it and say, Jesus, Inviting my neighbor to church, it just feels so inconvenient. I, it, I don't want to do it, God. And he's hanging on the cross for you. And he even asked his dad, if there's any other way, let's find that way instead. But I'll do this if it's, if it's your will. Kind of hard to say to him, I don't want to be inconvenienced when he took the beating for you. When he took the death and the wrath of God for you. John wrote this. He said, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. We don't do it to get his love. We do it because we know we're loved. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden. They're not burdensome to us. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God believes in you. He believes in your belief in him. We just have to get up and say, yes, Lord. So the word for 2019, inconvenience. My prayer, because I love you, is that God wrecks your life. I pray that God comes into your life and makes himself so obvious to you that it wrecks you. And he puts it back together in a way that you never dreamed. And in two or three years or ten years, you find yourself saying, I don't know how I got here. God is so 
amazing. But repenting is inconvenient. Baptism is inconvenient. Leading people to Jesus is inconvenient. Working on my marriage is inconvenient. Playing with my children is inconvenient. Having a broken marriage is inconvenient. Tithing is inconvenient. Getting involved in the church is inconvenient. Joining a small group is inconvenient. Getting a sitter so that you can go to small group undisturbed is inconvenient. Serving the local church on a Sunday morning, attend a service, serve during a service is inconvenient. Waiting on the Lord is inconvenient. Being sick is inconvenient. Losing a spouse or a loved one is inconvenient. Struggling in life is inconvenient. But God will not leave us, nor will He forsake us. Let me leave you with this thought. You can walk with God and begin to embrace the fact that He is about to make you uncomfortable in order to bring about the change and the healing that you want. Let me read that to you again. Lord just mm, laid this on my heart. Listen to me. You can walk with God and begin to embrace the fact that He's about to make you uncomfortable in order to bring about the change that brings you healing. Or you can fight against God all the way through 2019 again. How do you want to do it? You want to go dip yourself in the water? Because it, sometimes it's really that simple. You want to jump into a small group? Is it time for you to surrender your life to Jesus? You're waiting on baptism because you're scared. Man, you've been going here four or five years, but you, it's just inconvenient for you to get into a small group. Do you know that all God's trying to do is grow you up spiritually? It's for you, not for this church that you're in a small group. Serving, inconvenient. What is it in 2019 that you're asking God for? I want you to have it. Some of you have been sitting here and you can see it on your faces. You're just like, I know what it is. I know what it is. Can we pray with you, please? It's going to be inconvenient. But I want you to get up and walk up here and, and let these people... I'm not going to wait until the song starts and have you stand. I'm saying right now, if you know right now that there is something about 2018 that you're still struggling with or something that's inconvenient that God is asking of you, can we please pray for you? It's going to be inconvenient, but do me a favor. Just stand up and come here. It doesn't matter who sees what. Just stand up and come here. It's going to take a little effort on your behalf. You will not see the change you want if you will not embrace the change that's being asked of you. Do you want healing? Are you willing to let go of your belief and understanding in this world and see things God's way even when it doesn't make sense? We want to pray for you. Okay. Just come up here and cry your heart out and then leave your stuff here. Leave your stuff here. Because God's got a 2019 you haven't even begun to imagine yet.